Hey, HBs. This is Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two ladies who love romance novels recap books, act a fool, and cackle together. We love all of our patrons, but this one and I go way, way back. Victoria E., you are descended from Bridget, the Celtic goddess of poetry, healing, and spring, and a protector of livestock and the young. You have an artist's soul, the work ethic of a meticulous scientist, and an analytical mind that can tackle any problem. Like the season Bridget governs, you rejuvenate everything you lay your eyes on. You pick yourself and your loved ones up because you are a steadfast champion of well-being in all aspects of life. So, go grab a book, a cup of tea, some berries, and curl up with those kitties because you deserve all the care and contemplation you crave. You are such a bright light in this world, so hold a mirror up and let that light shine back on you. And now, I'm delighted to tell you about one of our sponsors today. It's Melanie Edwards' debut novel, Rocking Her Boat. You guys, lady scientist, bad boy rock star, second chance romance, it's so catnip. Okay, here's the description. Lifelong passion and perseverance have finally given Nina the one thing she ever wanted, her own environmental nonprofit. And yet, it's when she should be on top of the world that she feels the empty results of her neglected personal life. Maybe now's the time for this focused marine biologist to see what happens when she adds some fun to all of her hard work. Chelsea's passion is music. Still the rebellious stoner he was in high school, Growing up has forged his powerful, unique voice. Now that he's moved to a bigger city, his raw, rough-hewn talent and uninhibited charisma are garnering popularity for his band. A chance reconnection with Nina proves his teenage infatuation hasn't gone away, but it's tough for Nina to see him as anything more than heartbreak waiting to happen. As Nina spends more time with Chelsea, the sparks fly. And she also finds a shared determination and ambition, which is dead sexy. Between their different, busy lives, the marine biologist and rising rock star try to make their delicate new relationship work. But when the glow of infatuation fades, will the reality of supporting the other's different dreams be too big an obstacle? Here are just a few snippets of reviews this book has gotten. This heroine is one of us. I was immediately invested. Melanie Edwards created a rich visual world that was easy to fall in love with. And this novel doesn't skimp on the super hot sex scenes. Hurry everyone, go and support this debut self-published HB. I'll put by links in the show notes and blast on all our social media. So usually this is where I introduce the book we're going to be talking about today. However, we've got a special treat. Erin got to sit down and chat with Christina and Lauren of the dynamic writing duo we all love, Christina Lauren. They chat a little about a requested rom-com and all about writing. Here we go. Hey, Christina, Lauren, Christina, Lauren, Christina and Lauren. How's it going? <laughs> so good. I want Good you to morning. know I've said that so many times. <laughs> when we were at Comic-Con, that was like, Christina, Lauren, Christina, Lauren. We actually got a question. So I put out to the cult, like, hey, does anybody have questions for Christina and Lauren, Christina, Lauren? And one of the girls 
ask the question, how many chairs were there this year for you at Comic-Con? Never two. (laughs) There's never two. Was there only one this year too? Well, we thought there was two, but then that just meant that we got there first and then they were short of chairs. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So they really didn't learn. It's funny. I mean, most panels that we're on, they don't know that there's two of us. It's just the person in charge of putting chairs. Like they don't care. You know, they don't notice that there's two people. Right. Yeah. Most random like panel setup, audio visual people don't know Christina. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's an industry you need to really break into. You need to have like an AV club book maybe, and then he'll get a couple of chairs next time. Okay. Taking notes. (laughs) I feel like we should tell people that I'm Christina. Oh, yes. And I am Lauren. Yes. I feel like... So you know who to be mad at when we say something we shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like no matter what Mel and I do, there's no way to tell our voices apart. People will never figure it out. So I just kind of feel like it'll never be distinguished no matter what. I feel like it took me maybe four episodes and she has such a distinct laugh. Like I love her laugh so much. It makes me so happy. So that's one way I can tell you guys apart. You've listened to four episodes of our podcast. I've listened to more than that, but it took me about four. Yeah. I'm very humbled, but I'm also kind of glad that you know that we're not really running a very professional operation over here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, neither are we some days, so it's fine. So as you know, you don't usually do like author interviews and we've only done a couple. And when we have, Mel has done them. So, but Mel's not here because she's RWA, but I think she's kind of jealous of our party. Hi, Mel. (laughs) Hi. So we had this thing come up in our Facebook group, The Cult, where there was like this renaissance for this movie, What's Your Number? And everybody was talking about it. And then when we read Josh and Hazel, a couple people were saying that this movie had like Josh and Hazel vibes. So I thought (laughs) instead of just doing a straight interview, maybe we could talk about a rom-com because you guys are like the queens of rom-coms. So what was the cult's feeling about this movie? It was, <laughs> listen, okay. <laughs> like I don't you guys want to piss want. off the cult. <laughs> don't worry about it. I piss off the cult on like a daily basis. It's not oh, a big God. deal. We love you, cult, but we're going to have different opinions <laughs> than you on this one. I'm psyched. I think the thing is like the cult really likes Chris Evans. And I think that is why they have like a renaissance on this movie. But like, okay. Did you see it back in like 2011 when it came out or did you recently watch it? It's 2008. I don't think I'd ever heard of it. Oh, for some reason. Oh, I Googled (laughs) to see how many years had passed. No, it's 2011. I Googled it in 2011, but maybe there's conflicting Googles. All right. No, I think she's thinking eight years. It had been eight years ago. Oh, it had been eight years. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because it is a little dated. (laughs) I think I said at some point during this movie, was this the whole entire script just a point like the whole point was just to get Chris Evans naked as many times as they could. He succeeded. I know. Well, um, the funny often. thing is, you know, the first scene when he steps out and he has the towel clutched over his crotch. I'm familiar. Oh, I hate the word crotch. Sorry. You I'm crotch. sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put myself in the naughty corner. But Christina and I in unison shouted at the TV. Oh, it's that movie. Because we've seen the gif so many times, but we haven't oh. seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's that movie. Oh, yeah. Well, this is kind of, I think, before he came into his own and like, he was not like a big deal, I don't think, when this came out. So the Chris Evans fangirls had not found it. Yeah, and he's adorable, but 
I said this morning. So I met Chris Evans at Comic-Con. <gasps> well, it's not Comic-Con. It's called Fan X in Salt Lake City. Oh. There's a photo of me with him because so many, which we'll have to send you. It used to be my Twitter, yes. Abby, for a long time. So many of our readers see him as Finn. And so oh, I okay. bought a meet and greet. From Dirty Ratty. Uh-huh. Dirty Ratty thing. So I bought a meet and greet. And I was with my friend Brie and I was very nervous and I had a copy of Dead Ready Thing and I was rehearsing the whole time. I was going to ask him if we could hold this picture. So I almost took it out and she's like, you're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> so we were timing it. You get like four seconds with it. Oh my God. And so I get up there and I go, hi, my name is Christina and this is my book. And a lot of our readers see you as Finn and could we pretend to look at it and look scandalous? Scandalized. Uh-huh. And he goes, sure. So the picture is of us looking like we're reading it and like looking horrified. And as soon as it was done, I didn't even realize he like turned to hug me. And I just turned to my friend and went, I did it! And I ran away. (laughs) So you passed on a hug with Chris Evans. Yes. And so I said to Lo this morning, I am taking 10 Chris Evans can do no wrong points away from him for this movie. Oh my God. Okay. Did you both dislike it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Can we be honest and say we actually... DNF'd it at an hour and an hour and six minutes. It? Yeah, yeah hated it. <laughs> I want to know everything. Okay, I mean, do you want to do it the way you guys usually do? Because no, I am no, girl I'm not going to put you through the whole. No, we, okay. it, we watched an hour of it. Okay, yes. <laughs> so this thing is a hundred and like what was it? Low one hundred and six minutes. Yes. That means it's a hundred. No, no, we got through one hundred and six minutes. It's like a hundred and seventy something. Yeah, I think it's like a full two hours. So that means oh, it was one hundred and twenty six minutes. Yeah. So that means it is a 126-page script, which is and I long have no script. idea why somebody didn't stop them. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was 2011. All right, oh so I'm guessing the premise was not um, here, Kevin Okay, so first, can we talk about the origin of this, which is a book called yes. 20 Times the Lady. Yes. Which we just discovered this morning. By me too, this morning. So there's this book called 20 Times the Lady by Karen Bosnack, and I discovered it this morning too, so I don't know if it's a traditionally a romance or more of like a chiclet or what it is. Yeah, I don't know either. Or if they changed I... stuff from the script to the movie. They might have. I mean, we know that happens. I know that they have because I read a like a blurb of it. And I know that at least a lot of the ex-boyfriends were different in the movie versus the book. And the main characters' names were different. So there's at least been some like fundamental changes. I mean, the cover looks to me like a rom-com cover. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of like a post-it note on binder paper. It looks like Chickletty. And in the book, it looks like her name is Delilah Darling, and they change it to Allie. But the last name Darling just drives me crazy because it's like, is this 101 Dalmatians? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. I think the premise bugged me, and we assumed that it was written by dudes because, I don't know. It does have that feel. Yeah. And so I think, you know, just at the outset, the premise being that she reads this article in Cosmo or a women's magazine that says... 90% of women who have sex with more than 20 partners never find a husband. (laughs) That's the premise. And I was like, wait, what kind of statistic is that? Like, that is totally absurd. And I actually went down to bed last night and made my own list. And I have successfully found a husband and had sex with far more than 20 partners. So (laughs) that article can suck it. Congratulations. 
Thank you. I'm like, apparently I'm a statistic anomaly. I'm glad you beat the odds. <laughs> no, I mean, the minute we, because we didn't know anything about, I thought it was about a phone number. I didn't know anything about it going oh, in. Oh, that makes sense. And the minute, like, they started talking about 20 partners, Lo and I looked at each other and went, no. So I thought the premise was eventually going to be that it doesn't matter that she can sleep with 21 and she's fine. She can sleep with 30. She can sleep with 80 dudes and she's fine. Do you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Then not to jump too spoilery, but the fact is that she finds out at the end, apparently, because yes. I Googled it this morning, <laughs> that she didn't actually sleep with one of her boyfriends. And so he is only number 20 and she will never break the number 20 rule. And I'm just right. like, wait, that's the lesson is that she's going to be okay because in fact, she does only sleep with 20 men. Like my head exploded. There is a moment where Chris Evans says, the only women care about that. Or yes. like, that doesn't mm-hmm. matter or something. But I just feel like they just like let that go. And you know what I mean? It should have been a bigger thing that like, this does not matter. Even if you slept with 50 people, 100 people, whatever. Well, you that know? is kind of how it ends at first. So it's like, okay, you guys listening, the premise is like, she goes back. So she realizes she's hit 19. No, she's hit 20. And then she's got to go back through her ex-boyfriends, she thinks, and find one that will marry her so that she can not break this, like, imaginary number. So it's like her going back through her ex-boyfriends and seeing if any of them are marriage material. And then, I'm so sorry, I said I had Josh and Hazel vibes. I hope that wasn't insulting. But the idea is like Chris Evans is like helping her date these other people. So it's like they're friends, but they don't realize they're falling in love. And he's like helping her find the one, but really he's the one. So she's like going back through all these guys. And then one of them she like really wants to connect with because he's like a rich, successful guy now. The conflict in the thing ends up being that he found that guy. I don't know how far you got. He found the rich, successful one that she really wanted to hook up with again. And he hides that from Jake Adams. Right, right, right. Okay. He hides that from her because he's now in love with her. She then like gets really mad at him. They have a big falling out. And then she goes and dates Jake Evans for like a year or whatever. And then when Jake Evans finds out that she's had sex with like 20 guys, he like solidly slut shames her. And then she like has this revelation of it doesn't, this doesn't matter. This is stupid. I'm going to go find the guy that was totally okay with who I am. And like the big line is, I'm a jobless whore who slept with 20 guys and I want to be with somebody who celebrates that or something like that. <laughs> and then she goes and finds Chris Evans and they like make out whatever. And then it's more like an after the credits scene or like kind of like a last little bonus scene that she actually finds out that she didn't have sex with one of the guys. Which is like so maddening, but they couldn't just Yeah, I hated that last scene. Like why put the cherry on top? The thing is, there were funny moments. There were a couple jokes that made us like laugh out loud. But for me, there were just like, and I'm just not normally a person who watches a movie and is like, oh, that was really problematic. But I did not like the slut shamey aspect of it at all. And I also didn't like the like the two instances where like it's mentioned that somebody's like gay or bi or whatever. One ends up being a man. Yeah, that stuff was rough. And the other is like, I'm like gay. I'm like yes. super gay. And like mine's like in the ears and the, you know. It was pretty rough. In my beard. And so I was just like, this is like all of the things. Like this is why people think they don't like romantic comedies. Yes. I think that's what upset me because we're hustling so hard to get adaptations made and it's been really fun and we're really excited about the current sort of rom-com renaissance. And then just seeing movies like this, it's like, well, if they make stuff like this, the other good books are not going to be adapted into films, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe her book is amazing. I don't know. Like now I'm kind of curious to read it. 
I had a couple questions about those. I mean, <laughs> we can link the, the movie in the best if you want. I feel like there's probably this like group of people in the cult that are listening to this just going, Aww. oh, so I'm an asshole because I Honestly, like this movie. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just that no. people who like write books and try very hard to not shame yes. people for the things they like, to not, you know, any of those things. This movie was like, you know, it was just, it pushed our, we all have our buttons. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Some people, they, it's like, we've read reviews where they like, don't like something specific and you kind of, okay, that's their button. Yeah. Or like a pregnancy at the end of a book, for example. <laughs> right. like, I hate it. <laughs> no! <laughs> and so, like, for us, we try really hard to, like, celebrate women's sexuality, to talk about women celebrating their sexuality, to never be shamed for it and stuff. This was a button for mm-hmm. us where we were just like, especially women because never is it brought up like yeah it's like joke he's like always has a woman there but it's never like how many women have you slept with it's never about if she's a good person it's never about the things she likes it's only about like how popular her vagina is well and like how good a blowjob she gets right yeah well in the conflict i just want to say for the people who did like it and did like finish watching the movie the conflict is she's like when they have their big argument she's like you've slept with like hundreds of women and you like this does never come back on you and this is bullshit and she kind of does the same thing to him that she's resenting that she feels that people are doing to her about her own you know and that kind of becomes part of the conflict so i really do think they were aiming for celebrating that you can sleep with as many people as you want but it didn't quite hit the mark all right I will probably never finish it. I will concede I will. that. That is fine. <laughs> I will probably never finish it, but I'm glad to hear that it ends better than we expected I think, it. You know, like we have like teenage girls in the house and stuff and we're just like, nope, I'm not slut shaming in this house. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you watch it with the girls? No. Oh, okay. No, they were around. Uh-huh. You're like, this is inappropriate. We can't have slut shaming. My husband was even there at some point, right? Was, was Ryan there? Yeah, he was with he us. He was there mm-hmm. and he did not like the slut shaming. But we have raised very socially conscious. No way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one question I know that they are going to want me to ask you out of the movie situation is we have a longstanding debate on who is the best Chris, who is the one true Chris. Do you guys have an opinion on who is the best Chris out of the four Chrises? Yes. Yes. The funny thing for me, and I think for Christina too, is that we actually aren't huge fans of Avengers. Like, Mm -hmm. I could give a crap about those movies. I love that they (laughs) are fun and do well. I love that people are really into it. I love seeing the cosplays at Comic-Con. Personally, I just... Husbands love them. Yeah. Yeah. But even so, we both love Chris Evans. Yes. We actually did a thing for Gallery that was like, Christmas before Christmas or Chris's. I don't remember. And we like raided our Chris's and it was Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Chris, Chris Pine, Pine, Chris And Pratt. then Chris Pat. He gets to go sit in the corner. <laughs> in some circles, we've replaced Chris Pratt with Chris Maloney, if that changes. Your- <laughs> okay. All right. I could get on board with that. Yeah. Chris Pine is my favorite Chris. So. so I didn't know much about Chris Pine until I watched Wonder Woman. So those top three Chris's are all pretty damn great. Yeah, it's a very close race for yes. best Chris. It is. Chris Hemsworth is like the most adorable dad. Mm-hmm. They all seem like really like cool guys. Maybe that's just I'm blinded by handsomeness and like fame, but they seem really cool. Yeah. No, I mean, they like, do. if Chris Evans came out as like being a problem, 
Romancelandia. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Would like need group therapy. Do you remember when Jason Momoa tore up a book? Yes. Do you remember? <laughs> yes. It was like, no. <laughs> like people were revolting. Which I was on a plane with Jason Momoa. No way. What? <laughs> so I was coming back from a BTS concert in New York. And so it was super early and I had been upgraded to first class. So I was just sitting there and he walked on the plane and it was literally this like TV moment where I looked around at everybody like, am I the only person seeing this? Because there was no reaction from anybody. And even if you didn't know he was famous, he still clearly is not your average looking Joe. No, he's got a, is he huge? (laughs) Did he like take up the whole plane? In fact, he was going to Fan X. It was like starting that day. So he was going to Salt Lake City. Oh my God. He had his hair like up in a man bun and he had like sweats on that were like pulled up to like the knees and he was so good looking. And there was just this moment where he looked at me and I was looking around and he was like, I know, right? And he sat down. (laughs) He was like behind me, like on the opposite side so I could see him if I looked. And it was literally like nobody knew he was there. Were you close enough to smell him? Did he smell like the ocean? (laughs) I feel like that's the first thing everybody asks when they hear your Jason Momoa story. (laughs) No, I wasn't. Oh, no. He slept, though, and he was a very quiet, like, I'm a person I wake myself up sleeping, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and he was a very quiet, like, TV sleeper. You know what I Uh mean? That's good to know, because he looks like somebody who would be like a snore, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't on the plane, but I mean... right, good to know, good to know. Yeah, he looks like somebody who would smell either really bad or really good, so I was just... I agree with this. Very curious. (laughs) Okay, so speaking of like, you know, movies and stuff, like, what's going on with the Roomies movie? Anything? Anything to report? So I don't know how many people know that Christina and I wrote this script. Yes. The movie is in sort of early development stages with Everhart Productions, which is Jenna Duan's production company. She works with a woman named Jean Song. And they hooked up with Oops Donuts Productions, which is Andy Fickman. He's the director. And he directed She's the Man, which is one of my kids' favorite movies. He has a new film coming out. It's called Playing with Fire. But he also has done a lot of stuff in Broadway. He's won crazy Broadway awards. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So he's a really good fit for roomies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his producing partner, Betsy Sillinger, is like the most amazing. They created this Disney show, Live in Maddie, together, which for any listeners out there who have kids that are around like 9 to 15, they probably watched a lot of Live in Maddie. Hmm. Anyway, they were really great when we were working on the script because Christina and I had, we'd done a rewrite and polish back in the day on the early Beautiful Bastards script, but we'd never started from a blank page. And it's really daunting. It's just a totally different process than writing a book, but it's so fun. And we had a blast. Like they were very supportive. We probably did about five or six big revision drafts. And so now it's just out. We're trying to get it financed. And everybody feels really positive. Like it's been a really fun process. The project is really timely. And yeah, so fingers crossed. So I know nothing about, well, anything. Is there any like, talent attached to it or is like casting happening at all? So it's sort of a chicken and egg problem because one of the things that we had thought to do initially, and it's all very early stages, but there's a couple different ways you can move forward with stuff. You can have a script and take it to talent and try and get somebody attached and then take it to a studio for financing. The problem with that is that you don't have an offer on the table. For the person that's being for the person okay, that attached. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we decided to go the other way first to get financing and then we could go to talent and make the offer. So I think we all have a list of who we want. 
in fact, I know we do because we've all made a list together. <laughs> but yeah, so we're doing it that way. And I think it'll be great. We're super excited. So just like everybody, just, you know, maybe take one of your pennies in a fountain and throw it in there for roomies because I think it'll be a really cute movie. We actually see them on Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, no, wait, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, I go to LA, but we're also going to LA for something else that's secret that we can't talk about yet. Oh my gosh. You're such an asshole. This is the way, <laughs> no, let me tell you, this is the way it is. It's like, you want people to talk about it because we always tell people like, you guys have all the power. Like the more- Generate buzz. Generate yeah. buzz. It's like, it's another chicken and egg thing. It's like, you want people to talk about it. If they know that something's in the works, there's much more chance they're going to be talking about it. And if they're talking about it, there's a greater chance that people will get excited and want to make it. But then they don't want to talk about it until things are like set. Do you know what I mean? All right. So HBs, get excited about the secret thing that we can't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag it. Christina Lauren's secret thing. Hey, HBs. If you love Christina Lauren's books, you're going to die over Rebel Carter's new rom-com, Love and Gravity. It's a multicultural STEM Hufflepuff romance with a curvy Latina heroine and a swoon-worthy reformed bad boy hero. Here's the description. Quirky lab queen Grace and wealthy physicist Anton have only met over email and the occasional phone call. From afar, Anton is everything Grace dreamed of. Smart, funny, supportive of her best friend's work. He makes her heart race. Until they finally do meet and it blows. Because the funny, sensitive, and thoughtful man vanishes in the blink of an eye, replaced by a condescending jerk who thinks she's little more than an errand girl. Amid glitter bombs, shrink rays, over-caffeinated scientists, and stolen research, the two of them struggle to find out what to do about their explosive chemistry. Is love, like gravity, a wave? And will it pull them under? One reviewer gushed, Anton and Grace are hilarious, flawed, sweet people who I fell in love with right away. And another reviewer said, this book is snappy, sweet, and superb. So go forth and read Love and Gravity ASAP. So like just in the last few seconds, I've been like, wow, like their lives are like so glamorous now. You're like flying to LA. You're like on a scale of one to 10, like how much more glamorous you've become in like the last year and a half, two years. Not at all. Honestly, like I'm not even wearing a bra. I'm very glamorous though. Like, are you wearing like an evening gown that you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that says "Ooh, David." Ooh. <laughs> People might not know, but she's here visiting me this week, so we are not normally like in the same house. in the same house. <laughs> Honestly, like, there's no glamour. We are hustling so hard yeah. in part because. People really want to see these movies made. And it's not just us as viewers and readers ourselves. Like, we want to see more rom-coms. I don't need them in theaters. I love them in theaters. But the problem is people don't show up for them in theaters. And so it's so wonderful in this day and age that we have Netflix and Amazon and, you know, HBO adaptations and Hulu and all that stuff because people can watch rom-coms from their couch. So I do feel like it's a real prime time for people to start making these because there's such a desire for them. But we're just out there hustling and trying to get people to like working with us and get them interested in our stuff. So it's almost the opposite of glamour because we have to go out there and just like do the jazz hand, like talking about our stuff and being really upbeat and hoping that, you know, the whole package is appealing. When I was like thinking of questions this morning, I was going to ask if you'd had any like cool celebrity encounters, but it turns out you just like meet celebrities in your regular life. You don't even need to be like writing a big blockbuster movie. Yeah, so but, like, well, I paid to meet Chris Evans. <laughs> 
every other one that we've had has been on a plane. Like you saw Jason Momoa. I saw Stephen Amell and Danny Glover. Like all of those are on airplanes. Mm -hmm. There's no like interaction. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you said you're out there hustling. Like, are you also hustling for like a beautiful bastard TV show or like not? Or like what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, that's basically what we're doing on Wednesday is we're trying to get some stuff together. Yeah, I'm going to say we put something on Instagram completely like randomly that we thought some people would pick up on and nobody did. And we were like, well, (laughs) we posted a picture of a coffee mug. And with the books in the background. And if people go back and look at the Instagram feed, they'll know which one we're talking about. But it was really funny because people were like, oh my God, that's such a cute bug. (laughs) It didn't get many likes or anything. And we were like, oh God. No, that's 100%. We're like 5,000 likes. Here we come. And it was like, you know, my mom and her sister. All right. Get tweeting about it. HB's beautiful bastard TV show. Let's do it. Okay. All right. But I also want to talk about your new book that's coming out in October. That's Twice in a Blue Moon. It seems like from the blurb, that's about like actors, TV shows, Hollywood stuff. Is that like inspired by your like recent Hollywood experiences? You know what's no. funny about this book? It's <laughs> no. not at all. I swear we do, we do not have excited ones. <laughs> Well, when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, they're really Hollywood now. Like, this is like... Oh, God. I'm going to tell the truth about this book. So this book we initially wrote, it's kind of like if anyone out there has read Love in Other Words, which is our more sort of like mainstream romantic fiction versus rom-com. Twice in a Blue Moon is more like that book in terms of it's like, it's not supposed to be laugh out loud funny. It's more of like a traditional romance, but set in the modern day. And we really loved writing it. It's initially inspired by A Room with a View. I don't know if you've read the book or seen the movie, but I was obsessed with that movie and Julian Sands when I was younger. And so the first half of the book is it takes place when they're younger. She's 18. He's, I think, 21. And they meet on a trip to London and they sort of have this whirlwind romance. And she confides in him that she is the sort of secret daughter of Hollywood's biggest actor. And like, think like Brad Pitt, George Clooney. Imagine if he had had a child who the public got to see until she was like eight or nine. And then she kind of vanished from the spotlight. And so people never knew where she went, all this stuff. And so she tells him, this is who I am. So then you flash forward to the future. And in the original version of the book, we had them run into each other in some way. And they, do they fall in love again? Is she angry at him for his betrayal? Like, what is the story? And the second half just didn't work. So then we went back and we had to rewrite it. And it was like, we really loved the first half, but then we were so in our heads because the second half, the way they run into each other can happen in infinite number of ways. Like there's no one way that people run into each other. So it was like, oh God, if the first way didn't work, how do we know that we're not going to like write it again and have the second way not work? But then we started writing this and it just felt like sometimes as a writer, you, when something starts to click, you just feel it. And that's what happened with this book. Like we were able to take a little bit of our experience in terms of meeting people and talking about production and all of that into it and just kind of rolled with it. And it felt really natural to put them in this setting. So I'm really happy with how it turned out. It just was funny that it took us a while to get there. It sounds like it ends up being kind of like a forced proximity because they're working together. Totally. And they're on this very closed set. So the set that they end up in the second half and Sam, the hero, is the screenwriter and she's the lead actress on a film and she doesn't expect to see him there is in Northern California and it's on this farm and they're all sort of staying on the farm for the duration of the shoot. So it is forced proximity and it's also out in nature and it's really beautiful and they're sort of, you know, they're forced to interact. 
That sounds wonderful. Yeah, I love fun. forced proximity. Yay. It's my very favorite thing. And I love Me enemies too. to lovers. It's my very favorite thing. And so I can't wait. I'm going to eat it up with a spoon. Yay. We sound like we know a lot about like film production and <laughs> the way things work. But one of the roomies producers was so Betsy. She was so instrumental in helping us. She actually read the manuscript and went through and made edits and told us where we got it wrong and where we got it right. And oh, that's so nice like, to have. I, mean, I think we were on the phone with her for like two hours one day, and she basically told us what every single person on a set does. It was awesome. But to be honest, like there are some things that just wouldn't work in a book, and so anything that we change that doesn't sound right to people who know. It was us. Yeah. <laughs> we take, Don't blame Betsy. We civilize <laughs> all the time. Yep. All right. So I'm going to get into a few HB questions that we solicited for you guys. Okay. Awesome. But one of the things they're interested in, also I'm interested because I feel like we kind of have the same situation where like I'm in business with my best friend as well. How do you guys support each other like what do you guys do to build each other up and make sure each other is okay I mean I think one of the things that helps with Christina and I is that and this is I think different from you and Mel is Christina and I met Mm -hmm. and then immediately started writing together Mm -hmm. so the partnership preceded the friendship we had been writing fan fiction and reading each other's stories and really loving them and so when we met I put on a panel at comic-con in 2009 10 years ago. <laughs> and, we met, and we just enjoyed each other's company. We thought, let's write a fanfic together. And that was really fun. So we decided to start writing books. So I think, you know, because of that, the priority is both the partnership, but also the friendship has become more important over time. But we've never written solo professionally. And so the ego is totally shared. There's no individual ego. So when she's having a rough time, it's not like I feel superior or like, you know, condescending about it. It's like we both want each other to do the best that we possibly can. And so we've just had to learn like the kind of feedback that each of us likes and the ways that we get stuck and what we can do when the other gets stuck and how to celebrate victories. Like what's a victory to me might not be a victory to her and vice versa. And so just learning that over time and paying attention. I mean, you know, there are people who probably don't understand a friendship like this, where it is almost like a marriage in some ways in that, you know, we go through really amazing things and we go through hard things together and we have to just sort of like always prioritize. And weirdly boundaryless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I swear I like farted in front of her yesterday and she's like, it's been 10 years and you've never farted in front of me. <laughs> Like we've had couples massages and like, you know, (laughs) that was really funny and oddly noisy. (laughs) It was a total toot. And I was like, well, that barrier has been broken. Yeah. And the funny thing is that we're very different people, like very, very different. But it's so funny that the ways that we're different fit so perfectly together. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about me and Mel. We're like nearly polar opposites, but somehow it just kind of, it works out. But we've also had with us. many poop moments, which our Patreon subscribers definitely know about. <laughs> we've told many poop <laughs> stories. I have to know where every bathroom is at every point. If you tell me there is no bathroom, <laughs> I am immediately going to panic and low just rolls with it. I know this. I also I know. I'm also the person, if you need any sort of stomach medication, <laughs> where's Christina? 
It's true. And also like the rule is as soon as the car door shuts, nobody mentions the toilet. <laughs> as soon as she gets in an airplane or a car or any confined space, she will have to go to the bathroom if somebody mentions bathroom. That's like a big scoop. I feel like now I've got like... <laughs> You got to get those likes. I was wondering too, since you guys kind of met through the fanfic world, like we always like to know how people started off as readers. Did you read romance and fan fiction or was fan fiction your gateway? And if so, like what was your beginning in fan fiction? Well, so I've read romance my whole life because my mom's a romance reader. She used to go to the like thrift store and get books for like a nickel. It was like, I thought Barbara Cartland was like the prettiest thing I'd ever seen when I was little. Yeah. And then I had postpartum depression with my daughter and I okay. read romance. That was like my escape. But then I didn't read for a while. I didn't read romance for a while until I read Twilight. And then that's what started me. I'd never like really written fanfic before until then, where Lo has basically like written, like her mom found notebooks full of like days of our lives, you know, fanfic under her bed, like when she went away to college. And like all through college, I wrote like Buffy fic and Alias fic and all of that. And when my dad was got sick and he went into the hospital and he was coming home, I went home to help my mom sort of transition him back. And I needed something to distract me. And my friend was like, you should totally read Twilight. And I was almost insulted because I was such a big Buffy fan that I was like, how dare you suggest that I read Twilight? And I read it and I was like totally obsessed, like got really absorbed in it. And then the last book made me so angry that I essentially wrote like a million words of fic just to like have Edward and Bella have a lot of sex because I felt like that's what they mm -hmm. deserve. <laughs> I feel like that's how a lot of fanfic starts is like just being angry. 100%. 100%. But, like, you know, alias, I feel like there was a lot of like Sydney and Will mm -hmm. <laughs> fanfic. But I need to go back to Days of Our Lives. What were you writing? Like Marlena John, Steamy? Um... I think it was Kayla and Patch. Like I think oh, I was really? mostly writing Steve and Kayla. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know the mechanics. I mean, we're talking about when I was like 13 and 14. I was just like, I'm sure there was a lot of like vague humping and like, you know, just totally not accurate at all. But it was fun. Like, <laughs> and I realized looking back that I have been a piglet since I could like possibly be a piglet, you know, so. I literally just started, I just died because Lowe's daughter is so much like her in so many ways and now I am completely imagining and she writes like horse stories because she's the total horse girl I'm completely waiting for her to discover what fanfic is <laughs> do you have like access to go back and read those I wish I don't so I had one of those beds when I was growing up that has the drawers in the frame and I would shove all of my notebooks full of fic in there and there were just there were so many stories I mean, I have no idea. Like, I would love to go back and read them, but I'm pretty sure my mom just like saw them as notebooks and tossed them when I moved away for college. And then the ones that I had in college and grad school for Alias and Buffy, I probably just threw them out thinking like, I'm not going to ever read these again. You mm -hmm. know, and it's so heartbreaking because I'm sure they were terrible. Oh, I'm sure it'd be so but... funny to go back and read like. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bummer. They're lost forever. I would buy that book if you published an anthology of your 13-year-old fan fiction. I would buy that. That's a one-click, definitely. I had a couple questions from HBs about kind of specific things in books. We got a question from uh, HB Ushma, who was wondering, well, there were kind of a lot of questions about comedy in your books. And she was wondering if Finding God in Hannah's Boobs and Beautiful Player was... <laughs> inspired by anything in real life or how you thought of that? You know, sometimes what happens when you're writing is you just get sort of deep in the scene. And I don't mean to sound like a douchey writer with like my process and whatever, but like, I remember writing that scene and it just sort of like happened. It wasn't even 
like, oh, this would be so funny, or I've had this image in my head forever. It was just like, I was just rolling with it, you know? And I know that happens with Christina too, with like some of the things she does that crack me up. It's like, it sort of surprises us. In some ways, maybe those are the funniest ones because they don't feel so heavy handed. So yeah, that one was just kind of like came out of nowhere. A couple of them also noticed the like, a little bit of a trend in like Josh and Hazel and then honeymooners about like winning things, getting free things, like couponing sort of thing. <laughs> I'm gonna I was going to say, Christina, I don't is know. there one of you that's like really into sweepstakes, couponing or anything like no, that? I just grew up really poor. <laughs> no. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. I haven't put that but together. You know, that's so true though. The diarrhea cruise and the, yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, yeah. like Josh and Hazel seen that that was one of those scenes were like writing's hard <laughs> like it's hard but that was a day I remember like I was writing and I was like oh my god this is one of those like writer days where everything goes right you know what I mean because very rarely am I like writing like this is amazing normally I'm like hating myself or sad or you know what I mean because I'm so slow and I'm like so kind of like self-conscious about stuff and that was a day that was just like really fun where Lo said, you know, things just sort of happen. And I don't actually know if we had planned on them like winning a cruise. I don't actually <laughs> even remember like, how that happened, but it sort of just did. I just but like I mean, it free stuff. And then Honeymooners, it worked because, I mean, Amy has to be obsessed with contests because there had to be a reason why the honeymoon couldn't sure. be postponed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had to read it because I said on the podcast when we were doing our wedding that I had sprung for the seafood tower at our buffet. So <laughs> there, was like, there was like the regular buffet that I could get or like the gourmet buffet. And the difference was the seafood tower. And I made some kind of comment that was like, this better be a fucking great seafood tower for like the dollars I'm dropping on this thing. And then like all the HBs were like, no. No, I would never eat a seafood buffet. Like, go to Vegas and people are like, there's crab legs up there. I'm like, are you insane? Like, never. But, but at a wedding, I mean, most weddings, they're going to have, like, really good caters and stuff. Like, I would totally hit it at a wedding. It was Alaskan king crab. It was, like, from right down the street. We're right here in Alaska. Melody not only ate the seafood tower, but she pulled up a chair to the buffet next to the seafood tower and, like, put a napkin yeah, I saw that. She like, tucked a napkin into her dress and was like, I'm going in. I loved that. HB Allie wanted to know about embarrassing moments, but I'm going to change it because I know HB Allie. And I want to know if you've ever had an embarrassing moment with like somebody you were fangirling, like an author that you really liked or like a celebrity that you encountered. I'm blanking right now at the exact second of the question, but I will say I'm such an awkward in person or on the phone or being recorded on the podcast that every time I meet anybody that I really admire, I think I tend to say too much. Like I just can't stop talking. And so that is really awkward. And if I can think of a specific example, I'll share it. But I remember when Christina met Susan E, she wrote Angel Fall. And that was one of Christina's favorite books like years ago. And she'd loved this book for years. And she finally met her at Y'all Fest a few years back. And she was just like so adorable and fangirly. It was like the cutest moment ever. I've never seen her so kind of like hand flappy. Mm -hmm. She was so sweet. Yeah, she was so sweet and lovely. Because sometimes, you know, the, the one thing you never want to do is have somebody love your books and then they meet you. And it ruined. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, a lot of pressure. Happen. Yeah. And so we could tell that story. <laughs> Should we tell that story? Okay. I'm going to tell you this story, but I'm not going to tell you who it was. Oh, I will tell you who it is. <laughs> Lauren. Lauren. No. No. 
Christina. No. Christina Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence. (laughs) So we try really hard. In fact, I don't know if Lo said this or not, but at Comic-Con, we had people bring us some of your buttons and, you know, they were just like so excited and talked about you guys and mentioned, you know, that we were doing the podcast and stuff. And so we really want you when like you meet us to feel like you know us and to walk away like, oh, they're just as, you know, nice as they seem online or whatever. I swear we're nice in real life. (laughs) And this author was a guy and his book was my favorite book of the whole year. And I had, this was before we were published. I had like a couple hardcovers because I was going to give them away. And so I walked up and I was like, hi. No, 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 back up. You had audiobooks, (laughs) ebooks, a couple hardcovers to give away and for yourself. Well, that's important. I I had a couple. So when I got up there, I said, you know, I really love this book. It was my favorite book of the whole year. And, you know, I have it on audiobook and ebook and then these hardcovers and we're going to give some away. You know, I have all these whatever. And he goes, good God, why? Or something (gasps) like that. And Lo goes, well, I mean, we want to support the printed press or I can't even remember what she said. I said that we want to support the books we love and buy them in all of their forms. And he goes, how noble of you. And I (laughs) just like, like, someone just kicked my puppy. She deflated. It was the saddest thing. And I wanted to punch him so bad. I was like, you dick. Because sometimes people come up to the line and like, obviously sometimes there are rules where it's like, you know, we can't personalize or, you know, whatever. And there are like very few instances where we follow those for the most part. We're like, if you stand in line and you bring us your books, we're going to sign them. And especially they'll come up and they'll go, I'm so sorry. I have a lot. And we are like, if somebody ever makes you feel bad because you have a lot of books, they are an asshole. Like we will sign Mm -hmm. anything. I mean, except for somebody else's book, but you know, so this was just one of those moments where it was really good to have before we were published because it was really good to be like, that person has been waiting. They took time out of their day, you know, all of this. And you do not want to ruin this relationship you've built with them through your books by being a dick, which is like, you know, the number one rule for anything is to not be a dick, but you know. It's kind of become a theme of the podcast because we were all at Avon's KissCon event last Mm year. And HP Alley, who asked this question, shared with us like a very similar experience to one you just told that she had with like her favorite actress, who I won't name, but that was like devastating to her. And then like immediately after that, I had like a very embarrassing encounter with Sally Thorne. Oh, I was going to say, that was Sally Thorne's first uh, signing. Yes. And uh, yeah, I had a very embarrassing encounter. And then it just became like a theme of the whole weekend of like... But was it embarrassing for you? Like, what happened? Because she is the sweet angel, sweet, precious baby. We love her so much. It was embarrassing for... No, 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 no. I don't want to imply that Sally Thorne did anything that was, uh, you know, untoward. What I did was like, I ran up to her and I was like blabbing on about 99% mine and how much I liked it. And I do you know that would have made her day. It would have made her day. That was my intention. <laughs> right? And so I was like, I was reading it on the plane. I had a red eye that I took from Alaska the night before. And so I was like, I was reading it on the plane. Like I couldn't go to sleep until they had sex and like did this whole thing. <laughs> and then I just worded this in like a way that implied that I like masturbated on the plane. <laughs> I couldn't go to sleep until they had sex. And then like, they finally did. I said something like that. I was like, very satisfied by it. Like, I I, like had a weird tone. And it was bad. Oh, my God. And then we did the podcast on that. And like, I told that story to Melody. And then like, we got an email from Sally Thorne. And she's like, yeah, that's what I thought you meant. (laughs) Oh, my God. God. That is 
What? Oh, God. It's like the most embarrassing moment of my life. Okay, that's pretty great. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe it did make her day. I don't know. But I think I deeply weirded her out. And Sarah McLean was standing right there. And like, after I finished saying that, Sarah McLean was like, mm, do you need to go to the bathroom, Sally? Let's go together. Like, that's something that... <laughs> normal people so it's also an embarrassing Sarah McLean moment yeah, because you know what <laughs> Sally would be the first person to tell you so we've known Sally since Twilight fandom really yeah she wrote the best fanfic ever and she's actually talked about this online so we're not like Sally breaking her. any news but she wrote this fic called the blessing and the curse which was like a mashup of weathering heights and twilight and it was so freaking brilliant and so different from Hating Game and 99% Mine. I mean, she can write anything. She has such a good... And we were obsessed with her long before she ever sent us the Hating Game to read. We're at the same agent and everything. And at the same agency. And so we only met her in person for the first time. In April. In April. Oh, that's so there crazy. There were a lot of tears. We hugged for like yeah, 20 we minutes. we hugged and cried. It was really weird. But the thing is, is... Saying something like that that implied that you masturbated somebody's book is 100% something Sally would do herself. That makes me feel yes. a little bit better. Okay, so H.B. Blair wanted to know if you guys use writing playlists, and if so, what kind of music you listen to while you write. So Christina needs total silence when she writes. Like, she would probably write best in, like, an isolation chamber. Something she has learned since she's been here, because I feel really bad. I have to go upstairs in my office and shut the door. It makes me feel terrible if there are guests in the house. It's fine. My kids are on their iPads this week and they are giddy that I'm letting them. But so I love writing to music, but the thing is we usually have more than one project going on at a time. So especially one now. of the things that <laughs> yeah, I recommend to writers who are juggling multiple things is to create short playlists and associate each one with a different project. So for example, like when I was writing Love in Other Words with Christina, my playlist was a few Lumineers songs. They just had the vibe that I was trying to get with the characters. And there were four songs on the playlist and I would just listen to them in a loop. And at, after a couple times, you stop hearing the lyrics. You just kind of, it's more of like a feeling. And so when we then when moved on to another project, I think was probably Josh and Hazel, or I don't even know what we wrote after Love In Other Words. It's all a blur. But like I chose a different playlist of maybe more upbeat songs. And that way, when I went back to edit Love In Other Words later, I was immediately back in that space, that headspace, because the music was so tightly associated with the book. And so that works really well for me. And I also tend to write each book at a different place. Like I'll sit at my dining room table for one. I'll sit in my office for another. I'll be in my kitchen for a third so that I can kind of totally immerse myself in the space and the sound of what I was doing when I was working on. That's like really smart because then your brain is in like, it's very impressed by that idea. Sorry. My brain's not that smart. <laughs> so what we do at the end of every podcast is we do a lady love or something that is like making you feel happy right now or something you're doing for self-care all right do you guys have a lady love so just something that's like our joy right now yeah it could be like a show you're watching it could be a product you're using it could be a practice that you know thing you've been activity you've been doing lately anything that's like helping cheer you up i love bts which is like a k-pop group they are like my happy place and have been for like two years now so that's like mine and I bet you I would guess Lowe's is Orange Theory. Is it? I do love Orange love Theory. Orange yeah. too. You do? Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm going to come to Alaska and we're going to do Orange Theory it's together. very crowded. There's only one here and the wait list is always like very competitive. Yeah. I haven't been in a couple of weeks. I've been once in the last two weeks because we've been out of town. Very, very unlike her. 
I'm like feeling my stress start to build up and I'm like, oh, it's because I haven't been able to work out. It's amazing. I love it so much. I love the coaches. And because I work from home, I don't see people during the day. So I love going there and I see the same people and it's like my coworkers. Right, you know I mean? right, right. So yeah, I love Orange Theory. And I also hadn't even thought of that one, but what I wanted to say was I've been on kind of a reading binge lately because sometimes when we're drafting, it's hard to read other people's books. And so in between projects, you know, I sort of just devour a ton of books. I just want to give a shout out to a book that I really love lately. It's called The Right Swipe. It's by Alicia Rye. It comes out on August 6th and it just like, it made me really, really happy. It's such a well-written book. Her books are really funny and well, this one is really funny and it's so steamy and it's just, it's awesome. I've heard such good things about it and they were handing out, like you got a gift bag at KissCon last year and so you had different arcs depending on which bag you got and I didn't get it but and then no one would trade. <laughs> and at least so I heard great too. things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And her laugh, like get her and Melody oh together God. in a room, oh my God. it yeah. would just be my happy place. Like the two of them just laughing at things would just brighten my entire life. I would make Alicia's laugh my ringtone. And also, so we were on a panel with her at Comic-Con and they were doing like open floor questions. And her brother in a Spider-Man costume walked up to the mic and was like, my sister is an author. Oh. Can you believe how cool that is? And the entire room just it started clapping. So it was like the it was cutest because she mm-hmm. brought him. To comic it, it was so adorable. Oh my God. It was adorable. I ended up in a like a late night conversation with her and a couple of our listeners and Alyssa Cole. It was like a dream. And uh-huh. oh, wow. Yeah, and they're all like wine drunk. It was incredible. And she started giving bra advice to all of us. <laughs> I don't know if it was solicited or not, <laughs> but it was incredible. And she's like, this Doesn't is what matter, you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> this is where you need to go. This is how you need to measure yourself. Like she was going around and being like, this is how to buy a good bra. So if you ever see uh, Leash Rye anywhere, that is the question to ask her. She loves giving bra advice. I wish I had known that. I definitely need some new bra advice. I'm due to buy some new ones. So. There's like a particular Reddit thread that she sends you to that just like revolutionizes your life. Okay. I will ask I have her for extremely this. small boobs, so I don't really need the advice, but somebody else could really use it. <laughs> All right. So those are our lady loves and Yay, Lady Loves. Yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. When is Twice the Blue Moon out again? October October twenty second. All right. And where can we find you? What are all your Twitters and Instas? And so we can go like that post with the coffee mug. That was so cute. Our Instagram and Twitter are both at Christina Lauren. And our Facebook is at Christina Lauren, or it's just facebook.com Christina Lauren Books. We don't really post on our main Facebook page that much because Facebook is kind of a dick. But we do have a group on there. It's CeeLo and Friends. And we're in there a lot. We do a lot of giveaways. People are chatty. It's fun. So good, 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 good. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and... Are you kidding? Thank you so much for having us. I'm such a fangirl, so we've just really had a lot of fun being on the show. so humbled. Yes, thank you. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes, we are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, 
then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show. <laughs> 